TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Two Guys and a Mic. It's Mike Moreau back in the house, filling in for John Cohen and the Big Dog. Happy to hear happy to be with you here today. If you'd like to call in at some point, the number is 188-463-6748. Got lots to talk about today, so I think we're gonna kick the show off with the uh, Yukon women's streak. They defeated Florida State last night to go to 89 wins in a row. There's been a lot of talk about Dino Oriyama's Dino Oriyama's comments, that, you know, whether or not you know people would be, would be covering the streak if you know if, if they weren't beating a men's streak. I think last night Oriyama redeemed himself by saying, you know, you can't really compare the two streaks. You know, it's a men's record and it's a woman's record. But either way, 89 wins is 89 wins in a row and. The way they've done it has just been absolutely impressive. They've dominated everybody completely all the way out and through and through. And I saw some ridiculous stat today on ESPN where in the in the 89 games that they played, they've only trailed three, I think three percent of the time or something ridiculous like that. So it it's got they they deserve some credit and. I know it's, it's, I don't know how much more coverage it'll get after this. I mean, cause the streak is not really worth talking. It's not going to be, it's still going to be worth talking about, but it's, you know, women's basketball is not a sport that gets heavy coverage outside, outside the states that really don't play, like colleges that play it well. And UConn, it's supported because the UConn team wins, but everywhere else it's, it's not really a sport that gets supported. It's a, it's a sport, you know, I would, I would like to see do, be, do successful, but, you know, it's hard, it's gonna always be hard to get people interested in it because it's just not really that exciting to people, especially because it's always, always gonna be compared to the men's game, whether, whether people like it or not. And, I mean, Dave, what are your, what are your, some of your thoughts on the streak? It's absolutely meaningless. And Gino Ariyama is right that it's apples and oranges because you've got two programs, basically, uh, Tennessee and UConn, that, like, dominate women's college basketball year after year after year. And there are a couple other programs that sneak in there I, here and there. But it's all cyclical. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it, it was the same thing when uh, Pat Summit uh, broke Dean Smith's record. Or did she break it? I, I, yeah, that's actually what I was looking up now because I did, I think she broke it a couple. She's got years somewhere ago. near a thousand wins. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it, it's it's meaningless because the majority of those wins came before most uh, colleges in the country even had a women's basketball program. So, I mean, it's a le- nice little story, but in the annals of college basketball history, it's going to be forgotten. It. I can completely see where you're coming from with that because, like I said, it's a, 
it's a sport that, although you know, it's few and far supported. Even though eighty nine, you know, eighty nine. Well, like you said, eighty nine wins. But after a while, it, it people. Well, when will will people remember this? No, no. A couple of years from now, they won't. I mean, until it, it it'll be a story again when the streak gets broken. But it's just, it's just gonna it's gonna fall by the wayside, and people. And, and honestly, people don't even care about it now. I mean, if you look at, you know, even in USA Today, it was like on page seven or page eight. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a non-story story is what it is. Right. So, yeah, it's not, like you said, it's not even really getting talked about. And part of the, part of Oriama's comments he made the other day, I believe, were to get the story more attention. I mean, I know ESPN has covered it, but, Outside of the state of Connecticut, I don't think, I honestly don't think many people care about the streak, but I think it's impressive, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, well, no, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's no doubt it is very, very impressive, but it's also in women, women's basketball, so it is what it is. <laughs> right. I mean, even though John Wooden said it's the most, you know, the most pure form of basketball, it's not a sport that people, like, I'll, People tend to think is very exciting, tend to, because the men's game tends to be so high flying and fast moving. But oh, you know, it yeah, is. They what, watch it, it for it the is. fundamentals. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, with the WNBA. Watch it for the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, that's the WNBA is another topic. Uh, I'm not sure how long that. I mean, thank the NBA. Thankfully, they bought it because I'm not sure how long that league would have been around if it wasn't for the NBA. But other than that, we got we also got lots to talk about. In uh, somewhere about ten to fifteen minutes, we're gonna have Will Paluzak of K Tiger, co-host of the Big Dog in the in the in the Spits, I believe, uh, coming on to talk about the Missouri Illinois basketball game tonight, the Bragging the Bragging Rights game, which is a game I don't think gets a lot of gets a lot of credit outside of the two states. It's a pretty intense rivalry with rivalry which people. You know, I should pay attention to. It's always an entertaining game. Usually it's intense, and that's something we'll talk about in a little bit. But in the meantime, I think we're going to we're gonna talk about the Bears. They got a big game this weekend against the Jets, and, you know, the Bears control their own destiny to get that number two seed. And, you know, despite the Bears' 10-4 record, this is a team still not getting a lot of credit by the national media. It's something that... You know, I can't really understand. I mean, yeah, the Bears haven't looked great in some of their games, and they have issues, and they've gotten some breaks. But you know what? They've still found a way to win ten games, no matter what. No matter what the experts can say, they've won ten games. And even though Jay Cutler may not be a likable guy to many people, you still got to give him credit. You know, he's played well this year. He's not the wild child. He's a He's been in his first few years throwing interceptions, you know, and for the first time since high school, Jay Cutler is going to the playoffs. And I was listening to a radio show the other day, and they talked about has Jay Cutler shed, you know, his loser his loser tag because really the talk's all been about Jay Cutler's talent, but wherever he's been, he hasn't won. And, you know, it's not all on Jay Cutler because in Denver, his defenses were terrible. Played on a terrible Vandy team, and then I don't I don't really know what his high school numbers were like, but you know that doesn't really matter in the long run. He 
Jay Cutler, without Jay Cutler, the Bears would not be where they are. You know, he's not going to get serious MVP talks, but, you know, he's, you know, settled down since the bye week and the Bears, they've become a lot more, they've become a lot more balanced. And, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting playoff run for them. It, you know, we'll see how it goes depending on the seeds, but you got a couple of, couple of big games coming up with the Jets and the Packers and, as long as they they can play well in those games, they'll have the they'll have the number two seed. You know they may get some help from the Eagles, who might lose a game because if they tie with the Eagles, they they'll they'll have the tiebreaker because they beat the Eagles. But this weekend, it's a team it's it's a game that I think the Bears really should win. They have you know they got they match up both they match up well with the Jets. The Jets do have a do have a solid defensive line and. You know, as long as the Bears can just do their best to just manage manage the line, manage the game, I think the Bears can win and control the line. You know, the hopefully the Jets, you know, don't don't adopt that Patriots game plan where it was short passes and everything up the middle because the Patriots just absolutely dominated the Bears with that with that game plan. And when I thought. On Monday night, when the Bears played the Vikings and the Vikings scored on that first drive, I kind of thought that's where the Vikings were going to go with their with their game plan. But the Bears woke up and woke up finally and started playing some defense. I was really worried that you know this is something that teams are going to start adopting now: the short pass, middle game managing. Because really, the Bears have not allowed many deep plays, and if in the cover two defense. You can, if you can attack the middle of the field, you'll do pretty well because that's where the gaps are. And as long as, as long as the Bears can adapt, you know, maybe tighten up the cover two a little bit, it's a game that I, I don't see the Bears, Bears see, Bears losing. Mark Sanchez, he's played, he's played all right, but he's not a guy that I'm afraid of. Well, the thing about Mark, Mark Sanchez is his play has declined as the season has gone on. You know, uh, a lot of people said he was playing over his head last year, and he isn't as good as he appeared to be, and this season is showing the type of quarterback that Mark Sanchez is. And with his play the last uh, three, four weeks, it's just another lucky break for the Bears because you know, is, Mark, is Mark Sanchez going to be able to lead a game like a Tom Brady and break apart the Bears' defense? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think the Jets have a strong, strong running game to carry them. Lately, I've, you know, lately they've been playing the Mark Sanchez don't, don't screw us over offense. So the Bears really, you know, like you said, it's, it's a lucky, another break for the Bears that Sanchez is, hasn't really been playing well. But, you know, that's, you know, that's the other thing. People talk about all the breaks the Bears have gotten. They haven't really talked about, the breaks that the Bears didn't get in the past couple of years with all the injuries they've had last year, losing Urlacher in the first game of the season, you know, that completely changed the season. And despite, despite the Bears struggling last year, you know, losing Brian Urlacher was huge. You know, maybe if they have him, they win a game or two and they're in the playoffs. But, you know, it, we'll see how that, we'll see how that goes. You know, and good teams get breaks and, Good teams, when they get those breaks, they capitalize on them. So, you know, the Bears, the Bears start need to get, 
Bear Starch needs to get some national. All right. Well, hopefully we hopefully we get our call back in. We well was just about to call in to talk about the Missouri Tiger Illinois game. We got all right. We got him. We're gonna shift gears here and talk about talk about the bragging rights game tonight. We're gonna welcome Will Palujak, co-host of the, the Spitz. Sorry, co-host of the K Tiger. All right, Will, are you up? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on, Mike? How are you, man? Good. How are you? Oh, just fantastic uh, here down in, uh, in Columbia getting ready for this big game with uh, Missouri and, uh, and Illinois. It's uh, going to be real exciting tonight to see how both these teams fare. Yeah, well, um, what, are your, what are your some of your thoughts on the game? How do you think Missouri will fare tonight? Well, I think Missouri, you know, they've played a lot of uh, games early in this year that kind of prepare them for this. Uh, obviously, the Georgetown game comes to mind uh, in KC, a tough loss for them. Uh, uh, they had to go down and, and win a tough tournament also uh, in Mexico and Playa del Carmen uh, against some teams that are going to make some real headway as mid-majors. Uh, LaSalle is one that they beat uh, as a team that's definitely better than advertised. Uh, and it's interesting to see from the Illinois side, too, just coming off of the uh, disappointing loss to UIC, I'm sure that the, uh, the Flames didn't really do uh, Mizzou any favors by, uh, I guess, making this game more important for the Illini just because of that loss. Uh, they need the win probably more than Mizzou does, and, and Mizzou uh, would like another signature win on their resume, especially because of uh, uh, the win over Vanderbilt is a notch on their belt, but uh, this would be definitely another one for them to get uh, to add to their tournament resume. Yeah, and it's a, this Mizzou team, it's, you know, it's been an interesting team this year. You know, they've either they've either been up by a lot, and then let the team sneak back in, or they've been down a lot and fought their way back. And I don't know if that's a that's something they can do tonight against this Illinois team. With you know, Illinois likes to shoot a lot of threes. So, what do you think the uh, the addition, the loss of Phil Presley, and the addition of Michael Dixon back will will do tonight for the Tigers? Well, Presley played well in Dixon's absence in the two games we saw. We started to see some of the signs of. Why he was named a Mr. Basketball in the state of Texas, and uh, I think that if you look at uh, the Tigers as a whole, I mean, it's a lot of interchangeable parts, uh, and and the thing that they're working with is they're working with a lot of guys who were role players as uh, as ju- as a freshman and sophomores, and are now being called to be leaders as juniors, and uh, and the one senior Justin Stafford, and, and the thing about it is is. They still have to learn how to close out games. I mean, they've had trouble this year trying to close out games, especially the Vanderbilt game comes to mind and the Georgetown game. And uh, if they're called on to play a close game, uh, yes, they've had some battle-tested times, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, and Illinois, I mean, this is a this is a senior-laden group. I mean, you talk about Davis and McCamey and Tisdale, the guys who have been there and uh, also have hurt the Tigers in the past. It'll be interesting to see how they play, uh, presumably without Brandon Paul, uh, who – Suffered an injury in the UIC game, as you well know, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they're on the offense and where it comes from. Right, and I um, I think one of the keys tonight to the game will be the the inside play. I think one of, for one of the first times in a, in a while, actually, this that we actually match up. Mizzou actually matches up with Illinois inside, even though you know, even though Tisdale Tisdale, well, Tisdale and Davis, you know, on the inside. 
Well, uh, you got to talk about the play of Ricardo Ratliff. I mean, yeah. he is just uh, the first couple of games. It was uh, he was trying to get his feet wet, you know, and he's he's learning very quickly that some of the moves he made in junior college aren't going to come as easy uh, as they are in the NCAA. But uh, he certainly turned into a player. Uh, he's a rebound fiend uh, and and six nine there in the post. I mean. It's it's been since Damari Carroll that Missouri has had an inside presence with him, and uh, you also got to talk about Steve Moore. I mean, he he's been a pleasant surprise for Missouri fans. Uh, he's become a fan favorite for uh, for Tiger fans, and uh, you know he's the kind of guy who uh, people I talk to, you know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get uh, maybe four or five points. You're going to get a couple of fouls, but if anything, you're going to get physical play out of him. And and he's been an important part of Missouri's. Uh, half-court defense, especially defending the post, and uh, he won't back down to anybody. And I think if Missouri can use both those two down there, uh, it could make things a little tough for Illinois. Exactly. He's exactly the guy I was looking at that was going to be in a key point to the game. And not not that you know he's going to score a lot, but just his inside presence and defense to keep you know a, a non-physical, non-physical inside game for Illinois besides Tisdale. I don't really like... I've never really liked the game of Mike Davis, so Tisdale's the guy that I've I've always been worried about killing us. But yeah, Tis- Tisdale brings definitely a, a, a matchup problem usually for Missouri uh, with the seven-one frame. But uh, uh, if you look at Ratliff, I mean Ratliff has shown that he can guard the post. He did it against Georgetown. He did it against Vanderbilt uh, and Missouri. They're not going to have necessarily an advantage size-wise against any team. I mean, the way they're going to get their advantages with the, their speed of play and, and their conditioning and. While they're not at uh, late season form yet, uh, they at least have uh, gotten themselves to the point where they're they're able to increase the rotation a little bit. And early in the season, Mike Anderson was really only relying on a seven or eight man rotation, which is odd for this system. But uh, he's starting to get some guys getting some more minutes. Obviously, that'll be hurt tonight without uh, Phil Pressy in the lineup. I know Matt Pressy too is uh, battling back off of uh, of an injury that he suffered in the game against. Uh, Oral Roberts, he took an elbow to the face. Uh, he did not play against Central Arkansas over the weekend, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he plays back uh, coming into the lineup. But uh, again, uh, Missouri will be going with uh, with nine healthy bodies, and and they'll use all of them. And what what are your predictions on the game tonight? Well, you know, not always. I don't always look at Vegas uh, for these kind of games, but uh, just from looking at the uh, the line, uh, it has Illinois favored by two. I mean, it's a toss up game right now, and it depends on really which Illinois team shows up. And I, I think if you look at the middle part of the game, if you look you look at the uh, around the ten minute mark of the first and second halves, and you see who's playing better basketball, that's who I think will win this ball game. I, I like Mizzou in a close one, just because uh, I, I think that. Uh, the injury to Paul hurts Illinois more than the injury to Presti hurts Missouri. Uh, but uh, either way, I mean, uh, knowing what to expect in this game, it, it never really goes how you expect it to go because uh, of just so many invariables. You talk about the neutral site crowd. It's an amazing atmosphere to play in. Uh, Missouri's got, had players that have played in it with that huge junior class, uh, but there are some guys who are taking center stage, a la Dixon, uh, and uh, even Matt Presti and Ricardo Ratliff, who haven't experienced the atmosphere yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare. Uh, if anything, Illinois has on their side experience. What Missouri has on their side is, is a system that uh, has proven to work, and I think that finally Mike Anderson has the guys in place in order to do that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see tonight. 
You're, you know what? You're exactly right when you brought up the point there where the game go never goes as we expect, as we expect it. You know, Missouri went through that nine game loss, that loss stretch where I thought many times Missouri was the better team and Illinois would just come out and demolish them. So. No, there have been plenty of times where I thought Missouri was going to win this game and they, and they came up short or there was the one year, uh, uh, where they lost by 30, that was the year they went to the Elite Eight. So, I mean, it, it, this game really hasn't proven as being a, uh, a true barometer of how the seasons are going to go because uh, it's just such an outlier. Uh, but, but nonetheless, it, it is a statement game for both teams, uh, more so for Illinois uh, because they uh, they dropped the uh, the game to UIC over the weekend. Uh, Missouri isn't completely hurt if they lose this game, but uh, they're definitely helped more by it if, if they can notch another uh, legitimate non-conference victory uh, onto their belt. That sounds good. Hey, Will, while we have you on, would you mind talking about the uh, Iowa game, the insight for the insight ball? Well, this is a game that I think that, uh, that Missouri uh, and, Illinois, and Iowa, excuse me, it, it, it wasn't one that uh, that really shook people nationally as much as uh, you might have thought, but uh, it really shook the fan bases here, uh, not only in Missouri and people who I talked to up in Iowa. I mean, they're excited about this game uh, from the standpoint of the fact that Missouri and Iowa were supposed to play in a series uh, a couple of years ago, and, uh, and Gary Pinkle uh, broke the series off because he just didn't feel that Missouri would be able to compete. This was around 2005, uh, back when the program was still trying to rebuild uh, uh, from uh, the changeover from coaches, but I, I think now there's enough enmity in the fan bases to where you see, okay, now this is a real statement game, not only for the two fan bases, but also for recruiting. Uh, Iowa has a lot of people. Uh, they've gotten out of St. Louis. So you think about Adrian Claiborne, Marvin McNutt, and Missouri has stolen a couple from Iowa. You talk about the Hoke brothers, uh, Dan and Matt. Dan is a uh, right tackle and uh, should be uh, an all-Big 12 candidate come next year. Uh, uh, just because uh, he's got the big six-seven frame, and his brother uh, they stole from Iowa too. Uh, one of them was committed to Nebraska. So if you think about what you're seeing from this this Iowa team, you obviously have to think about Daryl Johnson, Culianos being suspended, Adam Robinson not playing. Uh, they're going to start a freshman at running back in, in Coker, uh, which uh, he's been effective. He's been called on this year, but I mean, you you think about what you do to a freshman putting in that that huge stage. Uh, it's going to be you know a night game. It'll be in a, in a environment that he hasn't faced before. Uh, love what you see out of Ricky Stanzi. He's able to distribute the ball very well. Although you, you think McNutt is going to command double team now without Johnson Coolianos, and and really the, the, I think the, the game's going to come down to line play too for Missouri, uh, especially on the offensive end because of the explosive defensive ends that. Iowa possesses, if, if Blaine Gabbert gets enough time to throw uh, and has enough space to throw, uh, it could be a long night for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, and that's a, that's exactly where my next question was going. When uh, I looked, I read that uh, David Yost said that he's, the game tape that Northwestern really focused on was the Northwestern-Iowa game. And I kind of think that's the game plan that Mizzou should, Mizzou should have going forth in this game was tempoing Iowa's defense, because like you said, this is a game that where the, it's probably going to come down the line because the two lines, you know, they match up with each other very well. And and more often this year, more than any other, uh, David Yost has 
tweaked the game plan considerably. I mean, uh, just from people who are used to watching Missouri uh, under Chase Daniel and, and Dave Christensen, uh, they basically ran the spread to death, and it was a system that Chase knew very well and had the personnel in order to make it succeed. Well, more often than not, it seems like they've had to tweak things for Blaine Gabbert and his personnel in order to try and get themselves in better positions to win. They're doing things like bringing in extra linemen as tight ends and blocking backs. Uh, they've gone under center at the goal line a couple of times. So, I mean, it it, it really uh, is a different offense now than it was, uh, say, even a year ago, two years ago, and even earlier this year because uh, they've just noticed that there are different things in the game plan that they've had to account for. And uh, if, if Missouri can keep Iowa off balance with those different looks, I mean, they've disguised their runs the last two or three weeks probably better than any Missouri offense that I've seen. A lot of times they were very predictable. If you had a line, uh, if you had a running back lined up to your left, you knew he was running right uh, and vice versa. Uh, now there's more unpredictability to this offense than there ever has been. Uh, it almost seems like Chase Daniel would telegraph his passes before he even threw them, uh, and he would knew he would know where he was going before the snap even came to his hand. So if you think about what Missouri does now from an offensive standpoint, it's much different than they've done before, and uh, it could cause Iowa some problems if, uh, if they're not ready for it. Hey, well, I would just, first of all, I'd like to thank you for joining us, but uh, I'd like to have I got one last question for you. Um, mm. Have you heard anything about the Tigers and their NFL prospects, and you know who might go and who might return next year? You, you know, it, it's funny. The the four guys uh, uh, put their names in: uh, Jack Weiss Smith, Alden Smith, uh, Blaine Gabbert, and Michael Agnew. Uh, I, I know Jack Weiss has said that he is intent on coming back, and. Uh, uh, I believe Agnew would do the same. Uh, the two wild cards are, are Alden Smith and uh, and Blaine Gabbert. And uh, Alden has always made it very clear that uh, that if if the evaluation is there, uh, then he has to do what's best for him and and, and possibly go. And I think Blaine uh the same deal. Uh, I mean, but there's, there's just a, another little wrinkle in there this year, as you know, with the the NFL possibility of a labor stoppage. Uh, it just seems like uh, more and more we're seeing uh, people make the decisions. You saw about what Nick Saban did uh, earlier this week about cautioning his juniors. Uh, uh, he wants them to get into the system as quickly as possible and get to that second contract because uh, he thinks that there's going to be a rookie pay scale. Uh, the thing about Gabbert is I just don't see him being graded as high as everybody thinks that he was. I think he would he would benefit from, from another year. Uh, there are people who I've talked to who said that Blaine is more likely to leave than Alden and, and vice versa. Uh, I would like to think in a perfect world you see everybody back, especially with Missouri coming into next year as a possible top ten pick if they end up winning uh, this game against Iowa, uh, possibly a preseason top ten team with a lot of people coming back. They're only going to lose five senior starters, so uh, there will be a lot to have coming back. But if Blaine gets the grade of uh, you know maybe being the number two or three quarterback taken, and he gets a, a second or third round pick, or God forbid even a first round pick, you saw what happened with Josh Freeman. He wasn't a, a heralded quarterback, and he's starting now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that was in in the hunt uh, most of the, the early part of the season. Uh, it, it could be a, it could be a wide range of different things for Blaine, uh, and I, I hope for their sakes that 
that they don't make the wrong decision and find themselves uh, putting themselves behind the eight ball. But it, it'll be interesting to see how both of them handle this uh, when they get their evaluations back in January. All right, well, we need to get to a break. But uh, well, I'd like to thank you again for calling in, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Mike, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, no problem. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right, we're going to have the break. We'll be right back. To two guys and a mic, and I believe we have we have Joel Big Dog on the line. Joel, you there? What's up, Mike? Hey, What's how, up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Yeah, I've been doing some meditation. You know, a lot of stretching. You know, drinking a little too much while while coach is away. You know, it's uh, it's been good to be able to sleep in until uh, until ten thirty every single morning. <laughs> well, thanks but, thanks for joining me today. Uh, uh, no problem. I mean, there's, there's all types of stuff, you know, in the world of sports, the world of politics to talk about. Uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, I, I'm really afraid of what I'm going to say here on the Internet considering what happened yesterday in the U.S. government. And I'm, and I'm hoping Dave Olson knows what's going on and, and heard what happened. Did you happen to hear yesterday that the U.S. Supreme Court banned the fact that the government could control what's happening on the Internet, but then the U.S. government decide they're going to do it anyway? That it's Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation because the U.S. government isn't really trying to control things. They're trying to make sure that corporations can't control things. But it looks like that uh, 
the big providers are going to start challenging these rulings, and the Internet as we know it is gone. Which hopefully will help me. It's it's <laughs> not necessarily a good thing. No, it's no, not, I, it's I, not I a good thing. You. Yeah, I, 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 that's something I, I didn't hear about. I didn't hear about this. I thought you were referring to the uh, "don't ask, don't tell" policy. No, no, no. It's the whole net neutrality. Oh, that, that's something it's I'll have to. Neutrality. That's something yeah, I have to follow up on. It's it, it's very very complicated and it does not bode well. And the the last thing I want to hear is something like, "Oh, we're uh, we're we're going to become China all of a sudden." That's the one thing that I'm afraid of. So. Um, a lot of times we're like laws are passing, we're trying to protect the everyday guy when actually what they're trying to do is give them less options, uh, less choice. So that's the only thing that I'm afraid of. And especially considering a lot of people have been using the Internet to go out and speak their opinion, and all of a sudden their, their websites have crashed and there's no explanation why, uh, it's, it, it's kind of strange. So I, I really do need to learn more about what the heck is going on in the situation. So uh, right when I heard a judge said no and they went and said they're going to do it anyways, that's when I get a little worried, you know, fellas. That we don't need – I know we're a sports show basically, but considering we are on the Internet and we speak on the Internet and we have the freedom of speech here, you know, maybe one day, Mike, you want to complain about the fact that you don't like the fact that Barack Obama called Gino Ariyama to congratulate him. You might not be able to say that in the future. Yeah, the the thought of that alone is pretty scary. Like you said, it's not you know you don't want us to become somewhere in China where we can't you know we can't speak our mind and have the freedom of speech to say things on the internet or really anywhere. Well, but but you got to understand, big dog. It's not it's not the government trying to impose Denver? control over what you can and can't say or can and can't do on the internet. It's the government imposing control over. Uh, the internet service providers, so they cannot control what you say and can't say, or do and can't do. That's where that, that's where everybody's like in a gray in, in the gray area. It's like the, the the government what they're trying to do. They're actually in the right in this situation. Okay. Okay. That, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Right, like like for example, you know, if your internet uh, like if your uh, internet service slows down at peak times, like you know, around lunchtime or five o'clock, if things slow down, that's you know your service provider like limiting the bandwidth that you can use, and that's them imposing control over your internet. Got you. Okay. And that, and, that, and that's like one of the things they're not going to let you. They're they're not going to allow them to do anymore. So. Well, or or just say, or just say you're, or just say you're, you know, using, you're downloading like an, uh, a huge amount of files from the internet on a daily basis, and your internet service provider decides, oh no, you can't do that, so I'm going to limit what you can download. No, I, okay, well, that, are they also going to limit uh, the fact that like if I don't clear my cache, they're going to send a bunch of cookies into my computer and find out that I went to uh, AsianBikini.com. Or they're not allowed to do that. Well, you know they do. Well, of course they do, but they're not allowed to do that. And then, okay. you know, hopefully, um, hopefully the new rulings are going to have some teeth and they're going to let them sit. But it looks like you know the big service providers are going to are going to team up against the ruling. And hopefully, yeah, and well, not hopefully, unfortunately, it, we all know how Washington works, and you know the corporations usually end up getting what they want. But typically, because they're uh, 
what do you, how much do you think about 75% of the money that gets politicians elected comes from corporate America, possibly more? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say that's a pretty good estimate. Yeah, it's pretty sad about how much control those guys have over, uh, over our lives. But, you know, I, I guess we do have distractions. We have other things that could, uh, take our mind off it, which is the world of sports. So. At least we have that going for us. Absolutely. And I've got, I've got like an article that outlines what the ruling was and everything and what it's going to do. And I will be more than happy to post it on your Facebook page, Big Dog. I would really appreciate that, David. We'll take care of that right now. Okay. Right. Uh, good. Getting back to the, the sports talk, Big Dog, have you heard about this, uh, doppelganger uh, that, you know, Rex Ryan's, Rex Ryan's wife may have and starring in these foot fetish videos? Uh, Rex Ryan's wife is starring in foot fetish videos. No, there's a there's a story on the front page of Dead of Deadspin where it says Rex there's a you know it seems to be a doppelganger of Rex Ryan's wife starring in some foot fetish videos and a couple of guys asked Rex Ryan about it at you know the the conference call today and then all all he had to say was that it was a personal matter and it was being handled. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is crazy. I, I don't want to know that stuff. I can care less about that. I don't think less about uh, Rex Ryan or his wife or any of that stuff. But heck, if, if you're going to be in a personal or if you're going to be in a professional limelight, you got to be careful what you do. So, uh, I mean, it, all, like all together, that's really not that bad in terms of what would like freaky stuff that people do, but. That's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, you know, the fact that it, you know, it would be really strange if she were doing it, but like you said, it, in the end, it's not really that bad. It's just more weird than anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was joking about that Asian bikini video for <laughs> but, you know, that, that type of stuff right there. Because, you know, if you're the coach of a New York team, you know, you make a bad mistake – and you know, if you coach long enough, you're gonna. Tom Coughlin is an excellent, excellent football coach. You can't argue that whatsoever. But during the last quarter, not just the last 7:51 of the game that they blew to the Eagles, he made a bunch of huge, huge mistakes. If Rex Ryan, you know, he's gonna have a game like that as a coach of a, of the Jets, this is just extra ammunition to go after the guy. So uh, for his sake. I hope it's not true. Not that I care. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, well, we can get back to the we can get back to talking about the game. What are your what are your some of your thoughts on the Bears game, the Bears Jets game this weekend? And you know what, the Bears might do the Jets. Well, uh, you know, there's talk that Mark Sanchez might be out. You know, shoulders banged up. Whatever. I, I, I'm not too worried about that. But uh, one thing that I really, really want is to see the Bears continue to run the ball effectively. They did it against the Vikings, and when they did it against the Vikings, you know, they didn't do it inside the 20, which is just driving me crazy. This whole, the, their inefficiency in the red zone is absolutely pathetic. But considering the Jets have one of the top run defenses in football, this is a playoff game for the Jets, because they are teeter-tottering on elimination uh, there in the AFC. I want the Bears to treat this as a playoff game themselves, because they really, dearly do they need the the bye week uh, in in order to uh, every team needs it because you know you want to be able to miss that game because in the NFL anybody can beat anybody. So my thoughts are 
Um, treat it as a playoff game. Don't don't act like oh we're in everything is good. If they win their last two games, they only have to win two games in order to get to the Super Bowl. Right, and I, you know, early earlier in the show, I was talking about the Bears getting respect, not getting respect, you know, and having their faults. But you know, a lot of guys, a lot of Chicagoans have said, you know, I'm not really sure if this team can really win three games to get to the Super Bowl because with, with all the faults they have on the, especially on the O line. Well, that's that's exactly right. So if they could, if they can possibly eke out a win against the. Uh, Against the Jets, and then uh, hopefully knock the Packers out of the playoffs in in the last week of the season. Them winning two games, one at home, and and then who knows, one at home against uh, a, a team at their level, or have to go in, into Atlanta and pull off a an upset. That's not that's not improbable. I mean, the the idea of the Bears winning two games in a row is very conceivable to me because especially. If they continue to play with this chip on the shoulder, and we all know if the Bears get to the playoffs, everyone's going, oh, they're going to lose this week. Every single analyst is going to be talking about they have no offensive line, Cutler will make a mistake, blah, 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 they won't get any. And as long as the Bears keep on being counted out, they'll continue to play well. As soon as they get started patting on their back, it's the worst thing for the Chicago Bears. So hopefully everybody continues to say they suck. And uh, just to remind everybody, I did pick the Bears to win 11 games this year and win the division. And and hopefully David Olson remembers that from our NFL uh, prediction show. Did so. you? You were definitely one of the few because I definitely heard the Bears, you know, getting about four or five wins this year, and I didn't think they would be that bad. I didn't think they would win ten games based on the other early schedule. You know, with the Cowboys and a couple of the other and the Packers and that tough start. I didn't. I didn't think they would get to ten wins, but. No, like you said, well, you know what the Bears and you know what the Bears fan, Bears fans also have to root for. You know, have to root for the Vikings this weekend because, you know, if the Vikings beat the Eagles and the Bears win, I bel- you know, I don't know if the Bears clinch that number two spot. But they do. They, they clinch it. Yeah. So, Bears fans, you gotta you gotta root for the Vikings this weekend as much as you may not like it, but you know, they're on our side this week and we need them. No, no, you're right. They they would not clinch it because the Giants still, if the Giants beat the Packers and then win the last week. And the Bears happened to lose the last week, they would be tied with the Giants. And if the Giants then passed the Eagles, the Giants would have the tiebreaker against the Bears. And the, so the, you know, they technically would not clinch, but mathematically it would be it would be pretty difficult for all that to happen. If the Bears win, Eagles lose. It's a really solid chance that uh, the Bears are going to be in good shape and uh, get the. Missed that first uh, the wild card ver- version of the playoffs, which is uh, you know we want to do that as a Bears. So right, let's, I, I, don't, I want the Bears to be an underdog at every one of their playoff games this year. So I, I completely agree with you on the fact that you know the I don't know what it is about this team, but you know whenever they're favored, they don't they don't seem to, you know to play well. You know they have to have people dislike them to play well, and I don't I've never really gotten that about the Bears, but you know I'll I'll take it. You know, yeah, I guess. I guess you got to use some motivation somehow. Yeah, whatever it takes, I'm not going to complain. You know, whatever it takes for the Bears to get hit down, if it means people have to count them out, then I guess they'll have to deal with it. I really don't. I really don't care to be honest with you. Right, and you know this, and to, there's also I also need to bring up a point about you know go to the point about Packers fans. Packers, Packers fans definitely have been giving giving me a lot of you know giving me a lot of crap about the Bears lately, and how you know the Bears. You know the Bears and Packers might play 
in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, my response to them is, well, you guys got to win the last two games to get in. So, you know, I'll worry about that when that happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, a lot of Packer fans have been getting, like, uh, I, I had one all over me the other day. Well, you know, the Bears got totally lucky when uh, when uh, they beat the Packers because the Packers dropped, like, five interceptions and, and committed, like, 18 penalties. The Bears sucked. I'm like, oh, you just told me your team dropped a bunch of interceptions and committed 18 penalties, and you think my team sucks? No, yeah, so, that, you know, that was a good question. You know, the, the Bears, you know, they still had to find a way to win the game. Regardless Absolutely. of eighteen penalties or not, and that's and that's my that's been my thing with the Bears, you know, and the people not giving them respect, and you know, talking about how they've gotten lucky, they still have to win the game, you know. Luck is not luck is a certain portion of every every good team, so regardless of whether you say you know they've been lucky, they still have to win the game. The the only way the Bears have been lucky this year, and there there is there is no doubt about this. The only luck the Bears have had all year long is that Calvin Johnson didn't bring the ball to his body and the fact that they've stayed healthy. Because you, you can't, when it comes to the NFL, all these guys, 32 teams, 99% of the players on all 32 teams really work hard all year long and try to put their body in a position where they remain healthy. Whether or not somebody rolls up the back of your leg or you get hit from behind helmet to helmet and get a concussion. That stuff, you don't have total control over that. So the only way luck plays into it is this, is whether if you stay healthy or not. And if the Packers complain about being healthy, we can go back year in and year out how many years that uh, that the Bears weren't healthy. And every time the Bears had big injuries, Mike, every single time uh, they did, and Bears fans would say, it's horrible, we got all these injuries, I would say this. Well, yeah, it's too bad, but... They have NFL players backing these guys up. And the Packers have had all kinds of injuries. And if they can't deal with it, they can't deal with Ryan Grant going down or an offensive tackle going down or Nick Barnett going down, then they should have had better backups. Right. And, you know, while we're talking NFL football, the NFC West is an absolutely terrible division. Yet one of those 7-9 and nine or maybe even 6-8 and eight teams or 6-10 and 10 teams – might get is, is, is going to go. It's going to go to the playoffs. The <laughs> what What do you think of changing the NFL format, like the playoff format? Do you leave it at, as is when people say you know it's cyclical, things will come around, or do you change it to the yeah, fact where a team without a winning record can't get in? Mike, those people are exactly right. It is cyclical, which means this: it'll happen again if they don't change it. And, and first and foremost. They don't, it shouldn't, the rule should not be, oh, we, sh- we shouldn't have let uh, an under 500 team in. And I kind of wish at the least they would do that, but that's not what I want them to do. What the NFL needs to do is this, four eight-team divisions, period. And, and I know everybody, this is really going to peeve everybody, but that would mean that the Bears and the Packers and the Bears and the Vikings and the, the Redskins and the Cowboys – would only play once a year. You play. You would have eight divisions. I mean, four eight-team divisions, which means you would play seven games within your division. Okay, so there's nine games left. You play three games versus each division. So that would be nine other games. That's 16 games. Boom, right there. You don't need an 18-game schedule. You have a 16-game schedule. You have legitimate. You would get four. Whoever the four division winners would then get the buys, and then 
you would have the next five through 12, those next eight teams would be determined by best record. And you throw everybody into the playoffs. So what I'm saying there is there's no longer NFC or AFC. I really, I mean, we're the only, the only uh, country in the world that has like conferences that like don't play each other in the playoffs is the United States. Every other country, like England, I'm not saying they're doing it right, but I, I think this way NFL would, it would behoove them to get the two best teams in the Super Bowl to do it that way. And when, seriously, when the Bears win the NFC North, the only reason why it makes us happy is because most people thought the Bears were going to be bad this year. But honestly, you win a four-team division, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. So, But if you win an eight-team division, even if you get knocked off in the playoffs, at least you can be like, hey, we were – we were division champs. I mean, that actually would mean something. So, if you if you ask me to change it, that's how I change it, Mike. Yeah, I you know I think it's I think it's pretty funny that one of those teams is going to get in, and you know, a nine win or you know maybe even ten win Packer team might not get in when it's it's something that they're definitely going to need to look at because we all knew coming into the season that the NFC West was going to be bad and that one of those teams would win, and it's it's kind of a shame that. A five and eight forty niners team is it controls their own destiny, and if they went out, they're going to win the division and host the playoff game against somebody. Yeah, that's another thing. They will host the game. They will be playing against the. It'll most likely be the Giants. Well, it depends because this Giant Packer game, we'll figure out who it most likely will be after that game. You know, it could be the Packers, could be the Giants, it could be the Eagles. But still, think about this: the Eagles. Could be playing on the road in their first in their first playoff game at San Francisco, a team that would be seven and nine. Right, and the funny thing is, <laughs> and, well, in the NFL, anything can happen. So, you know, going on the road, you're not, you know, even if the Packers are or Packers, Giants, or Eagles are considered the better team, they could lose that game at so, home no. at, on the road to the 49ers, who you know many people don't, you know, will say aren't really a good team, but. They're, at, exactly they're right. at home. You're, you're exactly right. They, they could end up winning that division. Everybody's making fun of them, blah, blah, blah. They don't belong there. And next thing you know, the 49ers uh, uh, blow out the Eagles. You know, Michael Vick, you know, uh, gets a flat tire in the first quarter, gets hurt, which could easily happen. And next thing you know, the, the Eagles get blown out in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't put it past. You know, and, you know, the funny thing is there is a possibility – it's not strong, but there's a possibility an 11-win team in the AFC doesn't make the playoffs. Isn't there? And there's also a possibility a six-win team in the NFC makes the playoffs. Aren't there? That's strong possibility. Are there a but there's cu- two weeks left. Are there a couple of 11-win teams? I thought I think there's one or two teams in the AFC that might not get in. Well, there's there's a real strong possibility that two 10-win teams, but I think because of who's playing who, I don't think it's possible that two 11 teams. When when teams will will not make it in the AFC, I think that's impossible. That's right. Uh, but it it is possible that one, and it's possible that two ten win teams don't make the playoffs, and we will we could have the possibly have the Seahawks limp in at six and ten. That's not that out of the question that the Seahawks go six and ten and make it to the playoffs. It's, I mean, it's definitely going to make for a wild playoffs. Fire. They're gonna. It's funny. They'll get the Seahawks can make the playoffs. And the owner can be like, "Hey, we want to, we want to rebuild," <laughs> because they have to. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds something like a Cubs owner would say. Oh 
well, uh, you know what? I wish for the first time in my entire life the Cubs actually would rebuild. I, I, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Are you a Cub fan? I'm a, I'm a big Cubs fan, yeah. Okay, so uh, April 1st of next year, you're going to be a Cub fan, right? April 1st of 2012, you'll be a Cub fan, right? I'm going to be – I'm in it for the long haul. I'm sick of them. I wish they would just one year just have a total fire sale, get rid of everybody, and legitimately say, you know what, four years from now is our target date. And you know what, you'll be surprised because it will probably only take them two years if they did it that way. Every year, throwing millions and millions of dollars at people that are above average baseball players when they could have just paid somebody, you know, a million dollars a year who's almost as good. Right. You know, and it's definitely frustrating going into the season knowing that basically your team isn't going anywhere. You know, the Brewers improve, the Cardinals are going to be the Cardinals, the Reds are an up and coming team, and the Phillies got, you know, Cliff Lee. So, I mean, where do the Cubs? I mean, you're, you're just wondering where do the Cubs fit in? You don't really, you uh, I, don't really know. They don't fit in at all. They have no chance of going to the World Series this year because of Philadelphia. So, and I'm not kidding. And if, if you're a Cub fan out there and don't like to hear this, we have never done this. The Cubs have never done this as an organization, at least in the last 30 years since 1980. I would want them just to be like, you know what, we can't win this year. And if that means they draw 32,000 instead of 39,000 a game, I could really care less. They need to get rid of everybody they possibly can and build for 2012 or 2013. Because 2011, the Phillies have already won that, my friends. Okay. And then you can say, well, maybe they could win the National League Central. They possibly could. And then they get absolutely hammered by either the Giants or the Phillies next year. So uh, going into a season – it's better going into. I'd rather go into a season going young and thinking about the future than seeing Alfonso Soriano trot out there every single day. And I mean trot as in like he just hit a ball in the left center and he's trotting around the bases and not hustling. Okay. And Ramos Ramirez dog it all season long. Then uh, and have the you know the Cubs go eighty two and eighty and have no chance of winning the World Series. I'd much rather see them go seventy four. And you know, and, and eighty eight, and actually build towards the future. Yeah, I, so we're going to differ on that part. I have no problem with uh, the Cubs cashing their chips in this year. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be unhappy with that because, like you, like you, like we just talked about, they really don't have a chance of winning this year. I mean, so I mean, why not scrap things? I mean, they're going to try. I mean, and like you said, they could win the division, but they're not going to go much further than that. And I think, you know, it's good that it's gotten to a point where the Cubs can be happy to win a division, but Cubs fans aren't going to be really excited about that, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, how how would Cub Nation take it? Because, like, this year I would be one of the few pounding my chest, yes, this is it's a great, great thing to do. Or how about this? At least in mid-July when you realize you can't win the World Series, then have the fire sale. They won't even do that because I've I've heard – uh, I've heard uh, Andy McPhail way back in the day when he was with the Cubs. I've heard uh, all of McDonough t- talk about the fact that we owe it to the people who bought tickets in February for August and September games to put the best product out there. No, you don't. You don't owe it to those. Those people don't care if Nephi Perez is at shortstop or your next up, up-and-coming AAA guy to find out if he's good or not. They're just there to go to a game and, and have a good time. Okay, if the Cubs are 10 games out in August, who cares if they're 15 games out in September? You need to find out if they're good or bad. 
Okay, so I hate that excuse. We owe it to the to our fans. No, you owe it to your fan base to try to win a World Series, not to try to win a couple extra games in August and September when you're already 15 out. I completely agree with that. And with that, I think it's about time to wrap it up. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us today, Joel. Heck yeah, Mike. Heck yeah, Mike. You have a good one. Mike. All right, you too. We'll talk to you soon. And that is it for two guys in a mic today. Thank you for all that. Thank you to all that listened and checked in on Twitter. And I will talk to you soon. Have a good day.